following message is from the 2021 Leader Summit in Louisville, Kentucky. For more information on Harbor Network, please visit www.harbornetwork.com. What a joy it is to be with y'all tonight. And thank you for that warm welcome to my sweetie, to my rib, to my boo thing. Amen. Appreciate you, baby. And uh, to each of you, God's chosen, his elect, uh, his precious children. What an honor it is to be able to close out our time together. And I pray that it uh, will be refreshing to you and send you on just with, with hope. If you could stand to your feet with the word of God in your hand and turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. And while you're uh, turning there, I don't know about you, but I am just full (laughs) already off of the word. Um, I've just been deeply encouraged by each of the sermons and and just been washed with the gospel. And so um, I hope that the Lord will use the sermon to just continue to wash you uh, with his word and with the gospel. Genesis chapter one, starting at verse 26, and I'm going to read to the 31st verse. And the precious, authentic, matchless, wonderful word of God reads, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look. I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. And evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. I want to tag this text, renewal-driven mission, starting at the beginning. Renewal-driven mission, starting at the beginning. You may be seated. I left our lead management team meeting pretty confident that we landed the metaphorical plane where we needed to. It was Wednesday, March 6, 2020. And one of those, one of my last sentences to end the meeting was, we will cancel a Sunday morning gathering when major sporting events begin to get canceled. That night I watched ESPN with a knot in my gut and my eyelids extended in a mixture of shock and dismay as the NBA announced that all games would be canceled indefinitely 
due to confirmed cases of COVID-19 amongst players. Ministry leaders, you remember that feeling you had when you realized that life was about to be flipped upside down. In fact, some of your watches are reminding you of that moment right now as you get a increased heart notification. Uh, You remember the weight, you remember the strain, the anxiety, the chest tightening, as it is a time that you would like to forget. As a result of the pandemic, we were all forced to quickly reimagine life and the next phase of ministry. And for most of us, the primary concern of mission through renewal suddenly, and even in a subtle way, took a backseat to mission through extreme image management. After all, we all had some big questions to answer. How will we spiritually form and keep people's attention when we can't meet in person? What online options would work best for our people? How should I teach or present myself through a screen without looking lame or being boring? Suddenly, our social media presence was more pressing than prayer. Our live stream viewership or Zoom engagement began to justify us more than faith. And our church's success seemed to rest more on the power of the, our internet connection, lighting, and our virtual background than the power of God and the movement of the Spirit. As our in-person's teaching um, as, uh, this week has been on dynamics of church renewal closes, I want to talk just briefly from the subject of renewal-driven mission, starting at the beginning. And here's where I'm going. The first mission that we see man given is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. It's what theologians call the cultural mandate. And we see that when God gives Adam and Eve this, this mission to create and to cultivate, to subdue the earth, that they are commissioned to do so, they are blessed to do so, and they are empowered to do so while enjoying his his presence. And when sin entered into the world, it affected them at every single level. It impacted them as image bearers. And from the time that sin entered into the equation, mission through renewal has has been difficult. It has been hard. And so for the next three, uh, 30 minutes, I have three things that I pray that the Lord, through his spirit, would accomplish uh, to us or in us. I pray that the spirit will continue to confirm in you that renewal starts with us enjoying the presence and the person of God as we embrace our position in God. And that's what we've been learning uh, the last uh, two days is the importance of the presence of God person of God, our position in Christ. And so I pray that that will continue. I also pray that the Spirit will help us to care more about us bearing the image of God over curating the image of a successful ministry to find an identity or to find fulfillment. I think the pandemic um, exasperated and even uh, in most ministry leaders, uh, just exaggerated uh, 
this desire for us to to manage our image, to be more concerned about our image and to curate an image that will draw people back to our churches. And my prayer is that the Spirit would remind us that there's more power in us being renewed image bearers than curating a image of success. Curating your own image is exhausting. Trying to live up to the standards of other people is tiring. It doesn't bring renewal. It brings frustration. It brings sin. It brings disappointment. A sojourn church midtown is a 20 a year old church. The Lord has blessed us in, in, in many ways and has been faithful to us throughout those 20 years. And we're one of the older churches in our network. Um, but even in the midst of a, the pandemic, we uh, we invested in live streaming and we invested in, in trying to uh, present ourselves better on social platforms so that uh, members would be better engaged. And even though we may have more resources than most of our uh, church plants and, and young church plants, um, that still didn't accomplish what we would hope for it to accomplish. Because like most of you, our church probably only has and this is Baptist numbers I'm giving, all right? This is a Baptist version. <laughs> 60% of engagement uh, than what we had before. So even with the investing more in live stream, and our team did an incredible job doing that, and even with investing more in our, our front face presence, that's not where the power lies. People still leave. Political division still happens. Racial turmoil is, is still present. Members and people that you love still walk away without reason. And so the power doesn't rest in us curating an image. My final prayer is that I pray that through this sermon, that renewal will flow from your church into your community. And I believe that that happens when renewed image bearers through hope-filled eyes see all human beings as packed with gospel potential. That's my prayer. Let's pray, and we're going to dive into today's text. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you for uh, what we've experienced so far throughout this conference. And I pray, Father God, that you would uh, renew us through your word once again and remind us of what it means to be renewed image bearers. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we do pray and the church say it. Amen. So as we look at those, those goals and, and as we pray that the Lord would fill us in those ways, I want to give us a, a quick uh, outline uh, that we're going to kind of follow um, to, to help us uh, to see the importance of renewal-driven mission. And as we narrow in into the subject of the image of God, I want us to think of it through three buckets. The first bucket I want us to think through is the bucket of the received image, the received image. The second bucket is going to be the refracted image. And the third bucket is going to be the renewed image. The received image, the refracted image, and the renewed image. The central text today 
uh, related to our topic, as we, as we read, is Genesis 1:27, which says, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. Renewal-driven mission, it starts at the beginning, and it starts with how we received the image of God. When the Bible talks about the image of God, we don't get a neat definition of what exactly it means. And so much ink has been spilled through the centuries on this topic, from John Calvin to Karl Barth. And I hate to disappoint you, but I'm not going to be the one to give you a definitive answer tonight. But I think that it's important to say that what makes us image bearers surpasses physical traits. We share with animals a body composed of bones, organs, muscle, fat, and skin. And in truth, we fall short compared to the ability of some animals. As it has been said, a cheetah easily outruns us. A hawk sees far better than us. And even though we humans have six and 10 million neurons devoted to smell, a dog's odor-detecting skills easily laps ours. And let's be honest. A cat's physical qualities are more godlike than ours as they have nine lives. <laughs> so if it's not this godlike physical ability that sets us apart from being created in God's image, then what is it? What does it mean to receive God's image? When I think of human beings bearing the image of God, I think of it in three categories based on Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. One, I think that it means that we are rational beings. And what I mean by rational beings is to image God is to be in the authentic likeness of God. And our God is a, a thinking God, a rational God. We see this in Genesis chapter one. God has a plan and he works that plan to perfection. He is a thinking God. He is a moral God. And in the same way, God created us as human beings to be intellectual, to be critical thinkers, to have uh, morals or some understanding of ethics. Like God, from the beginning, we received an ability to reason, to make moral choices. We were created with the will. Second, to receive God's image means to be created as deeply relational beings, to have a relational soul. God is relational. We see this in today's text when he writes, let us create man in our image. Let us create man in our image. And this shows that there is some sort of fellowship going on in creation. Most likely, God is speaking to himself, which means that this is an early hint to the Trinity. And like God, human beings are relational beings as well. Anthony Houghton makes a great point when he says that imaging God is more of a noun than a verb, meaning that to image God has more to do with living and loving like him than anything else. Humans were created to image God relationally in giving and receiving love. After all, in John chapter 17, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, we see and we learn that before God created the world, before he spoke it into existence, that there was a, 
an eternal relationship, an eternal fellowship of love between the Father and the Son, and, and each member of the, the Trinity were receiving and giving love, and God created the world, and he fashioned the world in love. And in the same way, to be created in God's image, to be in his authentic likeness means to be relational beings, beings who were created to receive love and to give love. Moreover, it's not by mistake that the Holy Spirit inspires Moses to emphasize that both Adam and Eve were equally image bearers. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says that he created them in his image. And as a network, we believe that renewal-driven churches value the whole church, not 50% of it. And that's why at Harbor, one of our theological distinctions is interdependence and complementarity. Our network believes that our sisters are created in the authentic likeness of God. Because our Heavenly Father has equally clothed male and female in his authentic likeness, we encourage our sisters to be all of who God created them to be in him. Because of our biblical convictions, as well as our lived experiences, we respect, we cherish, we love, we empower our sisters as fellow gifted co-laborers. We regularly acknowledge and express our need for our sisters to step up and to lead in order for the mission to move forward with help. Churches cannot perpetually experience renewal and be agents of communal renewal without co-image bearers and co-laborers cultivating the mission together. But to be created and to receive the image of God not only means to be rational, maybe a better word is reasoning beings. And not only does it mean to be relational, but it means to be regal. I like that word, regal. Reminds me of the hyenas in uh, uh, Lion King when they said, Mufasa, say it again, say it again, ooh. <laughs> Mufasa, say it again, ooh. Regal, say it again, say it again. To be regal denotes royalty. It, 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 rem- it reminds us that we were created to be dignified and to be magnificent. As we read in Genesis chapter 1, you sense that my, mankind is special. Mankind is blessed. And this is seen in the responsibility that God gives mankind to subdue and to rule over all creation. God entrusts mankind with the responsibility of discovering, of creating, of cultivating beauty in his already good creation. And this text is reminding us and telling us that we received God's blessing to be vice regents, to be the crown of his creation. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, as Psalms 139 says. And ministry leaders, it's important that we never forget that, that we never forget that God created each of us a little lower than the angels. William Shakespeare was right when he said, what a piece of work is man, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculties, in form and moving, how express and admirable in action, how like an angel in apprehension, how like a God is because every human is created in the authentic likeness of God that we 
unequivocally agree with the preacher and legendary activist Dr. John Perkins when he says that we don't give people dignity, we affirm it. We have received this image, but this received image didn't remain. Instead, it became refracted. To refract means to bend or to curve. It means that something is no longer upright. So in Genesis chapter one, we see that God blesses man, and that's important. He blesses man, and then he gives us what's called a cultural mandate. The first interaction that God has with man and woman is a blessing recorded in Scripture. It's a blessing. He blesses them. They are to fulfill this cultural mandate. They are to go out and to fulfill this mission through appreciating and enjoying his presence through his blessing. And we see that they, that they do that until the fall happens, where Adam and Eve, because of their rebellion against God, we see that the image of God is dented, is distorted. It's dented and it's distorted, but it's not destroyed. We see this in Genesis chapter 3, that when sin entered the world, that rather than receiving and giving love like they were created to do, Adam and Eve begin to curve inward. They begin to hide, self-protect, and shift blame. They became habitually self-centered instead of God-centered. Sin refracted or bent every dimension of our bodies and our souls. Our sinful nature impacts the way we look. It impacts the way we think, the way we feel, the way we act. And without the presence of and power of the Holy Spirit, we are dead to God and to the things of God. And even in the pandemic, as we think about 2020, all of us have felt it, haven't we? We felt sin's impact on us. We felt how, how strange of a, of a year it is and how sin impacts the way we think, the way we relate, the way we see ourselves. As received image bearers, we were created to be rational beings living in God's presence, creating and cultivating a beauty. But sin distorts that to such a point that it messes with our thinking. This past year left many of us thinking, what in the world is wrong with people? Has the whole world taken a crazy pill? Is anyone reasonable anymore? And not only did we think that about other people, if we're honest with ourselves as ministry leaders, sometimes we thought we were losing our mind. Sometimes other people thought that of us as we acted out of our sinful nature towards them. And it's important to remember as ministry leaders that people don't just sin against us. We sin against them. Sometimes we are irrational. Sometimes we don't live out of that position that Christ has given us and the presence of God. And we live in reactivity and we find ourselves air fighting. Am I the only one who air fights? It's when you wake up in the morning and you don't really spend time in the presence of the Lord and you have a conversation with someone else, like they're in your head and you start saying, I wish they would. Ooh. <laughs> Let this person say this to me today. 
and then you, you're thinking about your responses or you're writing this email, right? And then you see that person later on or you're there on Sunday, that person smiles at you and speak and you speak like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Because you done created a whole world. That's what sin does. It bends us inward. It makes the world kind of revolve around us. It messes with the way that we think. It takes us in a pit. It causes us to sit under a, a juniper tree and, and throw a pity party. It makes us to forget that there are 7,000 who have not fallen to Baal. Then it impacts us so much relationally. I mean, this last year, many of us has lost friends and friendships over Christian friends and friendships, over stuff that shouldn't divide the body of Christ, over political matters, over conversations about race. Some of us right now, we are hurting and, and, and drowning even as we we sit here and we came uh, holding on by a thread as, as someone that we love ghosted us. And this happened to me too. I had one of my closest friends kind of ghost me after a, after a conversation on one of these matters. And we're created to be regal beings, called to subdue. This word subdue is actually a, is a gentle word. Remember, when he calls us to subdue and to take dominion, this is before the fall. This is not violence. It's more of a picture of a, of a person using a, a gardening tool rather than a, than a soldier holding a grenade. But because of our sin, even as God's regal co-regents, we find ourselves often either underleading or overleading, under-functioning and being passive or over-functioning. It's interesting that in Genesis chapter 4, kind of the second commission that we see in, in the Bible is implied there. We meet Cain. Adam and Eve, they, they sin. They rebel against God. Um, they forsake the the, 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 the presence and the peace of God, the blessing of God, and they trade it in uh, because they want to be like God. They do mission out of the flesh rather than out of the spirit. And then in Genesis chapter four, we see that the Cain, their son, is, is making a sacrifice to God. But rather than imaging God and making a sacrifice out of the authentic likeness of God, he does it out of the flesh. See, as God created and formed the world, he did everything in love, in love for his creation, in love for, for humans, and ultimately we know in love for his son, Jesus Christ. But Cain, apparently, when he makes this sacrifice to God, it's not done in love. And it is compared with Abel's. Cain is given then the ultimate uh, ultimatum. Either he makes the sacrifice again and presents it, or sin is going to impact him. Sin is going to rule him. The Bible says that God warns him and says that sin is crouching at the door, waiting to overtake you. And you know the story. Cain chooses his sinful behavior of the father rather than the image of God. Cain chooses the serpent's voice 
over the Lord's voice. And as a result, he murders his own brother. With the refracted image of God, violence sometimes becomes the mark of humanity instead of love. In our refracted false self, we murder with our hearts, our hands, and our words instead of, instead of loving. And repeatedly, the Bible tells us that all violence, whether in the heart, through the hands, or with the lips, is strongly condemned. But the reason that it is condemned is rooted, once again, in the image of God. It's in the fact that every single person is created in the authentic likeness of God. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, we read, whoever sheds human blood by, by humans, his blood will be shed, for God made humans in his image. But then we read in James chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, that with the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's image. Blessing and curses come out of the same mouth, my brothers and sisters. These things should not be this way. It has been said that as we read the Bible, we uncover the source of both our dignity and our depravity. Thomas Merton was right when he said, we are all angels and demons wrapped in meat. Indeed, we were made in the dignified image of God, but we have descended into the depraved pattern of Satan. Therefore, we simultaneously are both great and wretched, which is the perplexing dilemma of human nature. Those who do not read the Bible and take it to heart are prone to ignore the complex dilemma of our dignity and depravity by favoring one aspect of nature at the expense of the other. This is why humanity can make a vaccine in 12 months that have saved thousands of lives. And as a, a nation, in just a week ago, we can lament the 22nd school shooting of the year. Several weeks ago, tragedy struck here in Louisville as there was a drive-by shooting at a bus stop. And the drive-by happened at 6.30 a.m., and it killed a 16-year-old boy, and it injured two others. Each were headed to a high school here called Eastern High School. And all three of these students are created in the image of God. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that entire week, I was just weeping, and, and my heart was going out for the parents and for the community. And our councilman, Ja'Cory Arthur, made a, an impassioned plea to the city. He said, everyone in Louisville is responsible for Louisville. If we are passionate about the image of God, we have to reject Cain's cynicism. And we have to conclude that we are our brother's keepers. We have to become passionate as renewed image bearers, as those who are blessed by God to do a mission out of our union with Christ and our position in him. We have to move towards all people with passion, knowing that every single human being matters to God. It's not just those babies who are in the womb but we have to care about those who are outside of the womb. Truly, the fall has done a number on us. Like Adam, a husband can pontificate. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. 
And then in the next chapter, say to God, it's the woman that you gave me. She's to blame for. There's good news. This good news is our source of motivation and our vision for renewal. This good news is that because we have received Christ through justification by faith, through the sanctification of the Spirit, both positionally and progressively, we are no longer demons and angels wrapped in meat. Rather, we are God's workmanship, his renewed image bearers. Because though refracted, God did not retract his love from us. The good news of the gospel is that this refracted image can be renewed when we receive by faith Christ's redemption for us. When we embrace the precondition and the primary conditions of renewal, we will become renewed, but we are renewed into the image of God. In the New Testament, we will learn that Jesus Christ is the perfect and the exact image of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 speaks of Jesus as the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 speaks of Jesus and it says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. And here's what's marvelous. When a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the Holy Spirit pours his love into their hearts and they begin to learn and to have the capacity to live and to love like Jesus. We begin to image him appropriately and regularly, though on this side of heaven imperfectly. And this shows us, shows up as we learn to enjoy the presence of God and to receive his love. And through receiving his love, we begin to love like him. We quite literally begin to live like the regals we have been created to be. Just learning to love and live like Jesus happens in the ordinary daily moments of life. It happens day to day. And as ministry leaders, we can't shortcut this daily work. The Apostle John says that we, we step into this renewed image of Jesus Christ by abiding in him, by walking in his light. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 through 24, and in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 through, through 10, encourages Christians to live into the renewed image by putting off the old man and by putting on the new. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Paul is teaching the church at Ephesus to, to take off the old man, that refracted man, that sinful man, that first Adam living man, and to put on that, that new man, to put on Christ, the one with whom we were created according to the likeness of God in righteousness, through his righteousness and his purity of truth. When we take off the old and we put on the new, we, we do this continuously and, and daily by cultivating habits and practices and, and disciplines. We do this by cherishing the truth of God's word. We do this in community. 
And Paul says the same thing in Colossians chapter three, therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following anger, wrath, malice, slander and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed. And the knowledge according to the image of your creator. So we are created in the authentic likeness of God. We receive his image. We are rational relational, regal beings. The fall comes in as a result of our rebellion and sin against the holy God. And and rather than glorify God, we begin to bend inward and seek glory for ourselves. But when we place our faith and trust in Christ, we are made to be new creatures. We are a new creation And we are now made to be fashioned in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And as as leaders and as, as Christians, we begin to disciple our people away from this refracted image into this, this new image, this new man. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. He says, we are a new creation. And as a new creation, he knows that we we no longer see anyone from a worldly perspective. Now we see everyone as as image bearers who need to be and who can be reconciled to God. Through Christ, we become his regal ambassadors and we take on his ministry of reconciliation. And renewal-driven ministry, it, it starts at the beginning by us recognizing that we are positioned in Christ, not just as image bearers of God now, but as renewed image bearers of God. And we are those who have been blessed by God through justification by faith. We are those who are positioned in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. We are those who are progressively being renewed day by day to look more like Jesus. And we approach every single person as a refracted image bearer who is packed with gospel potential. We now see every single human being through a new lens, through a new perspective, not through a worldly perspective. We don't see human beings through these, these, these categories of Democrat and Republican or through these categories uh, that, we, that we like to hold on, but rather we see every single person as a sinner who can be saved by the grace of God, as a person who, like us, can have a story that says, but God as a person whom God wants to gift and work through and bless and call to create and to cultivate, as a person who is his workmanship, his poema, as his regal ambassadors, as his renewed image bearers, we begin to see everyone with a a new set of eyes through the spirit and not through the flesh. 
as renewed image bearers who are working with Jesus and not simply for Jesus, we begin to weep with those who weep. As renewed image bearers, we begin to engage our community spiritually, socially, and politically to create safe neighborhoods and communities. As renewed image bearers, we stand up for the life of the unborn by not simply being pro-life, but by being pro-abundant life, believing that every child and every parent, regardless of their circumstances or situation, is created in the image of God. And this leads us to not only care for the child, but also the well-being and the discipleship of the mother and the father. As renewed image bearers, we care for the poor for the refugees. We care for the single parent coming around them to support them as they raise their children. As renewed image bearers, we fight for ethnic reconciliation and we embrace difficult, hard, awkward conversations in a redemptive manner when racism rears its ugly head. As renewed image bearers, we speak up against economic injustice And we have problems with white-collar crimes just as much as we do with blue-collar crimes. As renewed image bearers, we always make the executive decision to protect the vulnerable and to stand up for those who have been abused quickly and unequivocally. As renewed image bearers, we uphold and beautify God's vision for the family, knowing that it's only through this means that people and society will truly be healthy. As renewed image bearers, we honor the disabled. We honor women. We honor and move towards all people. And by all people, I do mean all people. Jew, Catholic, Muslim, and Buddhist. Straight, gay, and in between because they are precious and stamped with God's image. We don't demean someone because they are living contrary to the word or hold different religious beliefs. No, we love them by speaking the truth in love, seeking seeking to show them a more life-giving way of living. As renewed image bearers, we see terrorists, racism, Racists, gangbangers, Wall Street hustlers, pimps, prostitutes, and players as those who have a chance to be free through the love and mercy of Jesus Christ, just like we were given a chance. And like God did with Adam and Eve after they fell in Genesis chapter 3, renewed image bearers pursue people with curiosity and gospel care, not condemnation. Renewed image bearers pursue with more grace than judgment, knowing that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. The same kindness that led us to, to turn to Jesus. Oh, how Jesus modeled living and loving like God. He said, when you see me, you see the Father. It was Jesus who met a refracted image bearer named Nicodemus at night. And rather than scorn him for his legalism, he told him about how God so loved the world. It was Jesus who met a refracted image bearer who was caught in adultery. And rather than stone her, after doodling some emojis in the sand, he said, woman, where is your accusers? Go and sin no more. It was Jesus who, while dying on the cross between two refracted men, offered one who placed his faith and trust in him a first class reservation to paradise on the spot. 
Jesus shows us what it means to live and to love by caring for the orphan, the widow, and the marginalized. Jesus shows us what it means to live and to love by being born as a refuge, a, 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 a refugee in a manger, identifying with the lowly, being raised in the hood called Nazareth and dying on a cross outside the camp. Jesus shows us what it means to live and to love by getting up on the third day with all power in his hand and by commissioning his disciples to go out with the same power, Holy Ghost power, to the highways and the byways, to the folk that wasn't invited to the party, to the folk that people don't want to be around, to the folk who people call thugs because they don't dress like they dress. Not only are we renewed image bearers, the Bible teaches us that one day we will be fully restored to the image of God. One day we will trade these bodies of mortality in for immortality. One day we will be able to no longer sin. One day we'll be free from tears and cancer, ready to live in the presence of God forever. Renewed driven mission is sustained by renewed image bearers who see all image bearers through gospel lenses that allow them to see people as packed with potential. And I know it's been a hard year, and I know that people have been irrational towards you, and I know that people have hurt you, but I want you to hear Hear me say that just as as Satan had a plan to disrupt and to discourage Adam and Eve, Satan has a plan to disrupt and discourage you, ministry leader. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he wants you to respond to your hurt with bitterness. He wants you to respond to to your hurt out of brokenness. He wants you to respond out of your ego. He wants you to respond out of the parts of your story that are hard and and, and difficult, that magnify the sins of others to you, rather than out of the grace that you have received by God and out of a lens that says that you are not an anomaly that you have a savior who knows what it's like to be betrayed, who knows what it's like to stand before people in a a temple where worship is supposed to be happening to the God of all nations and prayer is supposed to be happening only to be constantly in conversations where people, Pharisees and, and Sadducees and the religious leaders are trying to trap them in his words. He knows what it's like to have somebody say, Hosanna, God saves us one minute. And then the next week say, crucify him. He knows what it's like to be spat on, to be beat, to be abused, to be misused, to not be listened to. He knows what it's like to be looked down on, to be treated as if he's dumb. 
He knows what it's like to be manipulated and used. And yet, because he had a vision of the world to come, he persevered. Because he trusted the, his father, he was able to entrust his life into his hands and, and press on. And he pressed on for you. He pressed on for the times where instead of operating out of your renewed image, you operated out of your refracted image. He pressed on for those times that you ignored his grace and his mercy and you intentionally sinned against him. He pressed on for you for those times where you cursed someone out in your heart and you said, I wish they would die. He died for you for the times that you overlooked someone because they had a different political view or, or accent or was in a different economic bracket. He died for you when you threw that pity party in your home by yourself in the living room and acted like a five-year-old child. He died for those moments. And he 100% loved you in those moments as if you were standing upright with full confidence in him. And he is inviting you to clothe yourself in him, to clothe yourself in this new way of living, to put off this image curating like you have it all together, to put off this desire to not suffer, to put off this anger, to put off this greed for power and, and influence, to put it off and to put on love, joy, peace, kindness, and to believe that through your kindness, through your love, through your peace, that person who may be a renewed image bearer, who, but who is acting out of their refracted image, that they can experience renewal as you go before them with a non-anxious presence, knowing that you don't need their love. You don't need their approval. You don't need their blessings because you have already received a perfect love. You already have received a perfect approval. You all have already have received everything you need in Christ Jesus. And now you get to radically, in a stupid way, love people. You get to smile at them like Jesus did with Judas, even though you know that they don't like you. And you get to do it genuinely, not through your own strength, but through the strength and the power of the Holy Ghost. And you get to declare, I am not a part of a red or a blue kingdom. I'm a part of God's kingdom. And I'm not going to be sucked into your foolishness and your irrational thinking. And I'm a part of a kingdom that shall not be shaken. And even if you never tell me well done, one day I'm going to meet the man. Come on, somebody. I'm going to meet the man and I'm going to hear good and faithful servant well done. And until then, by faith, I'm going to know that every morning when I get up, grace and mercy is kissing and is following me. And he's saying, well done, good and faithful, sir. 
You are not an anomaly. The world has lost its mind. But God is not. He's still sitting high and lifted up. He's still on the throne. He still don't need sleep to function. Your prayers are still precious to him and holding in a golden bowl and coming up like incense before him. Things are going according to plan. Your life will be fine because your life is hidden in Christ. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. You don't need their money to survive. He will provide. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to minister through blessing, um, through hearing your voice, through experiencing your presence. I pray that you would help us to walk with you and to treasure the fact that you are are with us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. I pray that you will give us a vision for renewal for our communities and for individuals to truly believe that every single person we meet is packed with gospel potential. That every single person we meet can become your workmanship. Christ's name we do pray. Amen.